It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Vikings. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya, whatever service you like. And if you don't like any of those services, or maybe you're just a commuter and you don't want to be looking at your phone while you're scrolling to find your favorite podcast, you can just ask your smart device like Siri. It even works with Alexa or Google Home. Play podcast Locked on Vikings. And today we have a very special guest here to talk about the salary cap. This is going to kind of be a a topic now uh, from now pretty much until free agency is how do the Vikings get under the cap? They are over the cap by a pretty significant margin and they need to not only get under the limit just to be in compliance with the rules of the, the NFL, they need to get a little bit of cushion under there so that they can potentially try to address some of the holes in the roster in free agency or just be in a situation where they can, like, sign their draft class and and not have to cut players. But that brings up a whole bunch of questions, right? Can they do it without cutting players? If they do cut players, how many does does it have to be? And and essentially what we're going to be going after here, and this is going to be the goal of of cap management, if you can efficiently ma- uh, manage the cap, you can make these decisions based on merit. What you want to avoid is... This player is good, but he's too expensive. Therefore, we have to cut him and let him go be good somewhere else, especially if there's dead money on that contract, because then that means you're paying that player to go play somewhere else. So to help me out with all of that uh, and, and tell me a lot about the cap and tell me exactly what options the Vikings have in terms of getting under it and really just more general talk about what is a good cap practice, you know, what, what are the things you want to accomplish when you're managing the cap, I brought on a very special guest. Brad Spielberger from OverTheCap.com is going to be with me today and tomorrow to discuss the Vikings cap situation and talk about some of the the more interesting questions like extending Cousins and Harris, although that's probably going to go into tomorrow's episode, uh, and other stuff from a more general perspective, like just what is cap hell? What are good practices to keep yourself out of cap hell when you restructure a contract? What does that mean? And and which contracts can you restructure and can't you restructure? And we're going to get into all of that. Uh, But first, I want to talk a little bit about some current events. So the uh, AFC and NFC Championship games happened on Sunday. I'm sure you saw them. Chiefs and the 49ers are going to go to the Super Bowl, and that doesn't have a whole lot of bearing on the Vikings, though watching uh, the Packers get pantsed in the NFC Championship game again is always a a good time. It does mean that fullback Kyle Juszczyk is not going to be in the Pro Bowl, which opens it up for another NFC fullback to make the Pro Bowl, and wouldn't you know it, our guy CJ Ham was named, so he and Dalvin Cook will be in the Pro Bowl together. I think that's sweet and very nice, and also is pretty good for CJ Ham in terms of finding a, a new contract, either with the Vikings or elsewhere, whenever that kind of thing happens but that that might have 
an effect. You know, a Pro Bowl nomination does tend to be a bit of a resume builder and does tend to move the needle in terms of your contract value. You could also take the 49ers win, and it it was a blowout win. It was 27 to nothing by halftime, and and the Packers did have a little bit of a late surge in them in the third quarter, but it was ultimately way too little and way too late. And you could take that as a referendum on the Vikings and their playoff loss and how, yeah, they got spanked by the Niners too, but like, it was by less. Both teams ended up losing to the 49ers by 17 points, and that's kind of a dumb matrix of comparison anyways, because it's obviously, I mean, teams are going to handle certain teams a a different way. You're going to play a team with Aaron Rodgers differently than you're going to play a team with Kirk Cousins, and the 49ers may be better or specifically maybe better or worse at one thing over the other. And I mean, just looking at, you know, this team won by this much, but they beat that team by that much is just kind of a dumb thing to begin with. If you really want to answer the question, who, who was better between the Vikings and Packers, what ended up happening in these playoffs probably isn't going to inform that very much. And you probably want to turn more to something like DVOA or even like aggregate PFF grades or just EPA generated or something like that. Or go, you know, position group by position group or thing by thing, you know, category by category. Well, who had the better pass rush? Who had the better run defense? Who had the better skill players? And, and you know, go through the exercise that way. That's not particularly an exercise that I'm interested in doing, but if you wanted to, I would probably stray away from the 49ers and uh, Vikings and Packers games in the playoffs. It'll be really interesting going into that, uh, into the Super Bowl with the 49ers having played the way that they've played so far, because they haven't really had to pull out many of their cards, especially in the play-action passing game, since they were able to beat both teams pretty much entirely on the ground. So it'll be really fun to watch what Kyle Shanahan has up his sleeves for these playoffs, because he gets to pretty much empty the bucket in the Super Bowl. That's kind of a dream situation. But let's get back to some of the the salary cap stuff. And where I want to start here is just with some, like, general overarching information. So according to OverTheCap.com, I have their Vikings summary in front of me right now. They are currently over the cap, projected to be over the salary cap for the 2020 season by a factor of $9,673,000. $264, $9.6 million or 9.7 million, right? So they have to clear about 10 million off of their books just like before the league year turns over. Otherwise, they're going to be in violation of the collective bargaining agreement. That's very bad. You do not want that. Um, So they have to clear 10 million off their books uh, just for starters. And I actually think in the conversation with Brad, we we talked about it uh, being less, but you know, the numbers. Uh, adjust the numbers as you're listening. The concepts still all uh, still all apply. So they have to get rid of that, and then uh, you know they probably have to get a few other million more, and get you know some room to to sign their gla- draft class, and maybe even try to get another guard, do another you know Josh Klein esque signing. And we'll get into with Brad some of the different strategies you could take to uh, to approach that. But basically, I want to draw one distinction before we get into that conversation. And it's, you know, on, on what spectrums are we evaluating these decisions, right? Because I'm sure you could think of in your mind, you know, real quick, a couple of really expensive Vikings that you could probably get rid of, right? A lot of people said, yeah, hey, get rid of Xavier Rhodes and Linval Joseph. And that would actually do it. That would save $18 million of, of cap space if you just chopped those two. Creates a couple of needs, need a cornerback, need a nose tackle, probably needed those things anyways, uh, and and so you can kind of move forward from there with a reasonable cap situation. So those are the kinds of things that make the cap a little bit more malleable than sometimes it it comes across. But what I want to stray away from, and I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about the salary cap and free agency and pending free agents and stuff. And what I want to, uh, when we're like building these strategies, what I want to stray away from is the idea of we can't afford that player 
too bad, right? We can probably make these decisions based on merit more often than not. And I'll go over it in a future episode in a little bit more detail in terms of like what combinations of things, you know, get us under this threshold. But I wanted to do these conversations with Brad first so we could get a little bit of foundation for how this stuff works and, you know, what are the rules of the game that we're playing here. For example, take any combination of two, pick two of Xavier Rhodes, Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin, and Riley Reef. If you cut any two of those guys, the Vikings are under the cap. And so what that allows you to do is you don't have to say, okay, well, Everson Griffin's the one that saves $13 million, so we kind of have to get rid of him. No, if he's your favorite guy among those four, then you can keep him and cut two other guys that you think are less good for the Vikings. Ultimately, you're not trying to generate the most cap space. You're trying to build the roster with the best players on it. And while that usually does, you know, correlate to make more cap space so that you can, you know, sign better players and offer more expensive contracts to players who are theoretically better, you also have to understand that the costs of those moves are going to vary. And you should probably get rid of the people who are most disproportionate to their cap hit, not necessarily target the ones with the highest cap hit. And that might still mean, you know, getting rid of Everson Griffin and his $13 million contract, he's an older edge rusher, and blah, blah, blah. That might still mean that, but I, I want to make sure that we're thinking about this in the right terms. I like to think, in, especially in, you know, the, the world of NFL off-seasons and transactions and building rosters, I like to think of the NFL as a game of a lot of different currencies, right? You have draft picks, you have cap space, you have players themselves, and trading things around or, you know, signing players, drafting players and stuff is just kind of a way of exchanging currencies with each other. You exchange a draft pick in exchange for a player. You trade some cap space in exchange for a player. Sometimes you trade a player back for more uh, draft picks, or you can turn cap space into draft picks by potentially letting a player go and not resigning them and getting a compensatory pick back. And all those things have different exchange rates, and you want to target the most efficient ones so that you can ultimately have the most resources at the end of the day. But you also have to make sure that you're transferring all of those resources by the time the season actually starts into players who you can physically put on the field and play football with. And hopefully those players are good ones. That's where all the evaluation stuff comes in. So enough uh, screwing around. I've got Brad Spielberger on the line here. He's going to join us in just a second. And we're going to talk about all this stuff and cap strategy and what the Vikings can do and just what kind of situation that they're in. Uh, but first, a real quick word from Blue Chew. Blue Chew is the very first chewable tablet of its kind. And its kind is the one that shares an active ingredient with Viagra and Cialis. So that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. But it's a chewable, which means instead of a pill, it kicks in twice as fast. So when the moment's right, it's that much less waiting around. And hey, Blue Chew isn't just for, like, men of a certain age who can't perform the way that they used to. This is for everybody who is looking to make themselves better for the sake of their partner. And you know what? I think that's pretty important. I think that's something we can all get behind. So head on over to BlueChew.com right now. It's made right here in the United States, and it ships right to your door in a nice, discreet package so you can skip a whole bunch of the awkwardness, no pharmacy, no line, no waiting, and save a look as well. So go to BlueChew.com. That's B-L-U-E. C-H-E-W.com and enter promo code locked on and you can try it out for free. That's bluechew.com promo code locked on. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Locked On Podcast Network in this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time. I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors 
over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code Locked in NBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and uh, respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. All right. I am here with Brad Spielberger of Over the Cap. Brad, how you doing, man? Doing well. How you doing? Doing great. So uh, first, tell me a, a little bit about yourself and your uh, relation to, you know, what you write about and all that stuff and and how you know about the salary cap. Sure. So uh, I've always been interested in the salary cap uh, for a long time, kind of was an econ major in college and, and, and now in law school, uh, kind of with the, with the site being working in the NFL or around the NFL in some capacity. Uh, I go to Tulane down in New Orleans, um, which happens to be uh, like a sports law. Uh, they have a great sports law program. So uh, it's funny. It's actually next weekend. But they run this big competition where schools come in, law schools come in, and basically uh, we as students, we have a board that I'm on, uh, we give them a player and a team, and they do a mock negotiation. And it's kind of like a, a practice thing for law students. So, you know, for example, Very you know, cool. we have a free agent. Yeah, so it's all right. Free agent Anthony Harris, literally, we'd say, all right, you're the agent. Uh, he said he wants to make more money than Earl Thomas, so then team side. You're already paying Harrison Smith a lot, so we're trying to keep that safety cap hit down, so don't pay him, whatever. So anyways, um, Jason Fitzgerald of OverTheCap.com uh, is one of the judges that we have uh, for this competition. Uh, he obviously provides all of the data and everything that we use Um you know, contract data and stuff like that. When when the teams are trying to find comparable players to use, you know, they'll look at comparable contracts, stuff like that. So, I met him first year of law school um, and asked him if I could work with him in any sort of capacity. Uh, and I've kind of just been, you know, doing research and um, working with him at the website. I'm kind of the NFC North guy, so I, I do hope Excellent. that Vikings fans, yeah, you know. Follow me on Twitter and whatnot. Uh, and I actually interned with the Vikings this past summer. So sorry to ramble. I just figured I'd get it all out of the way. Yeah, no, that's that's good because uh, you're more of an expert in this than I am. So it's good to to, to learn about that. Um, so before we get into uh, like actual specific Viking stuff and the, the situation the Vikings are in, what I want to do is just have you teach me a little bit about how teams typically save cap space. And, and to start with that, Tell me about like the general structure of a of a typical contract. Like uh, Everson Griffin's contract is going to be talked about a lot. So and the breakdown on OverTheCap.com has it in a bunch of different categories. So uh, briefly, can you just tell me about like how each one of those works in the event of say uh, cutting someone like Everson Griffin or trading him? Absolutely. So. Every player's contract is made up of, you know, a series of different types of payment structures. And, 
you know, most common obviously is base salary. You know, just like you and I, every two weeks you get a paycheck, you know, a little bit more than you and I, but, uh, you know, <laughs> standard base salary, very, very normal. Uh, and that can be fully guaranteed. It can be partially guaranteed or it can have zero, you know, not a penny of it guaranteed. And then you get into bonuses, you know, to make it real simple, there's basically salary and bonuses. It's a little more than that, but that's a very boiled down version. And the way bonuses tend to work is signing bonuses are fully guaranteed. And the thing about signing bonuses in terms of cap hit, what they do is it's called prorating where let's say you have a $10 million signing bonus over a, a five-year contract. There will be $2 million in salary cap hit in each of the five years. So it's spread so, out the burden over, over all of the years of salary cap. Correct. Correct. And it's fully guaranteed. You can't do anything about it. You can't, like, you know, you can't eliminate that space, so to speak. You know, that is there. Um, and, and so... Even, know, even if you traded him, the other team you trade him to doesn't take that burden. Correct. So, when t yep, exactly. So when a player gets traded, his signing bonus prorations remain with the original team. Right. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah. So, I mean, I know we're not getting to the Vikings right away, but basically what teams will do to create cap space is, you, you, you know, teams are realizing now that they want to keep signing bonuses down and, and keep prorated bonuses small because you don't want to have money, in, you know, pushed into late years of a contract. So the Vikings have smartly avoided that and... But, they, but, you know, in, instead they have large base salaries for a ton of their players. And, and so we'll get into it later, I guess. But, you know, restructuring is something that they can take advantage of because of how they've, they've you know, constructed their contracts originally. Yeah. So when it comes to restructuring and, and yeah, without going into the specifics of like who's a better candidate or whatever, say uh, there's a, a contract with, you know, high base salary, low guarantee, something like a $15 million base salary, but only 2 million of it guaranteed. Um, and, and I need to save cap space and I don't want to cut that guy. How do I typically approach that negotiation outside? I can't just ask him to take a pay cut because he could just tell me no and there's nothing I can do about that. So like what what chips do I have if I'm the team to offer to that player to get him to take a lower cap hit? This is actually pretty interesting and something that I don't think a lot of fans, even very tapped in, you know, fans like yourself know about. So restructures are, are not pay cuts and most contracts, even the best players will have a clause basically saying the team is allowed to restructure my contract, you know, as long as it's not a reduction in payment, uh, basically at, at any time. You know, there this are is what Eric Hendricks did last offseason, right? Uh, yes, correct. And, and so um, that actually, yeah, so you don't really have to ask the player. You, you just do it. Um, but players generally aren't really going to be opposed to that, and I'll tell you why. So what a restructure is, is or 90, 99% of the time what a restructure is, is you take base salary – and you take, you know, let's say a guy's, like you said, 15 million base salary, and then he only has, you know, let's say again, the, the $10 million signing bonus over five years. So two years each year for that. So you can take, you know, let's say you take 10 more million of the base salary and convert it into a signing bonus. So what you've done is in that one cap year, you've taken $10 million and you've turned it into five $2 million prorations over the next five years again. So or, now it's four million every year of those five years, and that could possibly add up down the road. But you've taken away some of the immediate burden. Exactly right. 
All right. And and so and the downside of that, I guess, is that that's all fully guaranteed and completely like unmalleable money that then, you know, three years down the road, if you do it too much, you could end up in in a really bad situation. So I have a couple of more like philosophical questions about the cap I want to ask you yeah. uh, and and about like what a good cap situation or a bad cap situation or setup is. Uh, and we will get to that in just a second. Hey guys, back with Brad in just a second, but first I want to talk to you really quick about these ads. If you've been listening to this show for a while, I'm sure that you've heard plenty of these ads in the podcast, and maybe you've even been thinking to yourself, if you are a local business owner, especially in the Minnesota area, and you want to talk to Vikings fans on Locked on Vikings, kind of wanted to tell you guys how to get in on that action. Unlike any other podcast, you know, the Locked On Podcasts and and Locked On Vikings gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listeners, people who could be your customers. So if you want to connect with the kind of people that would listen to a podcast like this, especially local fans who love to support local businesses, text the word ADVERTISING in all caps to 33777. That's 33777. Or you can just go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We will get our team to help you achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Okay, we are back with Brad Spielberger at uh, overthecap.com. And the, the question I want to basically spend the rest of this time asking you about is the the dreaded world of cap hell, where the salary cap is restrictive. In your opinion, and I'm sure even in your own website, this the the opinions on this may vary. What's cap hell? What what it, like what does cap hell look like, and and how do you define it? Yeah, you know, I think opinions could vary, uh, but to some degree, it, there could be an example where it's just you know objectively you're in cap hell. I, I think like we talked about in the previous segment, uh, when you have a ton of you know you know that prorated signing bonus money that like you said perfectly, it isn't malleable. You can't do anything with it. When you push that down the road so many times, which you know a team like the Saints has done with Drew right, Brees. Famously the Drew Brees stuff. Yep, and so you're seeing it, and you can avoid it for a really long time. You know The expression is you can kick the can down the road. You really can get away with it for a long time, but eventually the, it catches up to you. And, and so, you know, Capel, obviously Drew Brees is one player, but, you know, Capel is when you have a bunch of those contracts on the team or – you know, you, you have dead money, which is when a guy isn't even on the roster anymore, but you still have a bunch of guaranteed money, you know, tied up in that player. Uh, you know, that situation's where you're in cap hell because basically your, your cap situation is limiting your ability to be competitive on the field, right? Like what's holding you back is not that you can't find talent or whatever. It's that you, you literally can't, you know, add talent to your roster without having to, you know, move stuff around and whatnot. So in terms of, of, of avoiding cap hell, uh, say, you know, you are the GM of a team or you're the, the cap specialist of a team, the Rob Brzezinski as it is for the Vikings, and, you know, you are negotiating with free agents or players or extensions or stuff. What are some of the habits that you think are like good practices? Is it good to get, you know, high base salary, low guarantees so that it's flexible in the future? Or is it better to go with maybe a lower base salary but higher guarantees, basically the Kirk Cousins contract? Uh, to, you know, keep that cap hit down, but you lose flexibility. What do you, where do you fall on that spectrum? Or like, what, what do you think are some of the better practices when actually constructing contracts in terms of like responsibly operating under the salary cap? 
Yeah, sure. So I think that to an extent, you know, I would preface that it's kind of reactive. So like the situation that you inherit, you kind of have to cater to, right? So there isn't, again, like there's multiple different ways, different strategies to successful cap management. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, I would I would say it depends player to player. You know, like a Kirk Cousins, for example, obviously a very unique contract. Um and, and, you know, he's you're tied to him. You cannot, you know, get out of that contract in any way, shape or form. But, you know, you lock in a good quarterback for three years at a decent price, um, you know, so versus, you know, a different example. I don't know if you want to talk about running backs, you know, there you definitely wouldn't want to have, you know, any money guaranteed in the third year or later of that deal. Uh, you know, where Kirk just of the up. nature of the position. Right, just nature of the position, you know, and stuff like that. Like, you're not worried about a 27-year-old quarterback at 30 having issues, you know, playing good football. Um, so, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, in general, I do think that not necessarily high base salary with high guarantees, but just avoiding that prorated money is great because of how flexible it makes you in that, you know, if you have to cut a guy, which, again, we'll get to, if you have to cut a guy or two, they're not carrying a huge debt, dead cap hit, you know, so they're not costing you a lot of money, even though they're not on your roster, because if you, you don't, don't have somebody debt, to play. Right, right. Which which is the worst thing you can do. Yeah. OK, so we have a little bit of time left over. So uh, I'll just wrap it up with this because it is so unique. Uh, what What is your opinion on, on the Kirk Cousins contract? It, it's We hadn't seen anything before it, and we haven't really seen any co- contracts like it since. What do you think of that negotiation deal? And, and regardless of like the evaluation, say he's a top, I don't know, 12 quarterback or something, uh, do you think that's a good deal? Yeah, so I mean, I would push back a little bit. I think if you take a look at Julio Jones' extension and Bobby Wagner's extension, um, they're not quarterbacks, you know. They're they're a wide receiver, older wide receiver, and a linebacker. Um, but they're they're kind of in that conversation and have really really pushed the guarantees to an extreme. Uh, and, and so that trend that he was getting credit for kind of starting or hopefully starting, I think you can give him credit. And so I would also give the Vikings credit on the other side and say, I mean, I think Kirk probably went to every team and looked for this structure, right? I mean, I think we all heard the Jets offered more money. I think another another team may have been rumored to offer more money. And so I think that, you know, they took the risk of, like I said, I wouldn't do this at a single other position in football. But at quarterback, yeah, yeah you know, I, I, if you if it gets you the guy, you know, he's he hasn't been hurt yet. So he's going into the last year now. And, and so it kind of, you know, worked out, so to speak. All right. So that is uh, Brad at over the at Brad. Spielberger at overthecap.com. We are going to come back with Brad tomorrow and talk a little bit more about the Vikings specifically, but I wanted to lay some groundwork and just kind of learn about the various strategies of like how to save cap. So thank you so much for joining me, Brad, and I will see you tomorrow. Yep, looking forward to it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this show, this interview with Brad Spielberger from Over the Cap. He's going to be back tomorrow. We're going to talk more about some of the Viking-specific stuff, like Kirk Cousins' contract, Dalvin Cook extensions, Anthony Harris extensions, that kind of stuff. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. Show's on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. Show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcast, or you can just ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. I will see you all tomorrow with more Brad from Over the Cap and more Cap Talk And as always, Skull. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. 
The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer, to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.